Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically just two regular dudes drinking irregular beers, talking about magic regularly. Yep, and this week we have a very special episode. We are talking about Strixhaven versus Ravnica and how those two are the same slash different, mostly different. Uh, also, we have the league, uh, Strixhaven League weekend number two coming up, so of course we have to draft our fantasy teams for that. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? Okay, this week I brought Narnia, little IPA. It's a Sawdust City Brewing Company. It's 5.5%. The can is a nice little road into the forest. Um, let me see if I can remember why I chose this one. Oh, yeah, I remember because the description um, is actually written by their brewmaster, allegedly. But it describes how it uses Escarpment Labs Foggy London Ale Yeast. Escarpment Labs is a local yeast uh, rancher, I guess is what you would call them, a yeast rancher. And they're the same ones that I use to kind oh. of support local in my brewing so i thought that was cool and uh, bought the beer because of that oh that's really cool wow you read the can i don't think i <laughs> sometimes i don't know i don't know <laughs> the last time i read a can um uh anyway so you brought sawdust city i i also brought sawdust city brewing company um, oh I, I didn't realize it was a tap takeover episode i didn't either i didn't know oh. that um uh I, okay i guess we both picked <laughs> <laughs> Something about the same brewery. Uh, but this is their uh, Tropical Storm, which is a Mojito IPA. It's 6.9% uh, noise. And uh, the color of the can is like a mint green. And there's like a lime and some kind of tropical thing. So it just the color was really nice. That's why I picked it up. I didn't read you know, a little thing on the back explaining what I see. <laughs> well, tell me what Sam, the brewmaster, has to say later. I guess I have my own in the fridge. So. Yeah. Oh, I guess he did say something on the back. Yeah. Something about tart and stuff anyway um <laughs> we're not going to read that right now because we have a lot of things to get through because uh magic news holy crap yeah. what a week info dump yeah this week slash i don't know just since we last talked to everyone um just you know everything happened um there was the arena open this last weekend uh mm -hmm. which we obviously talked about all last week and there were some server issues yep I was playing in a different tournament, but was still experiencing difficulties connecting with my opponents and stuff, because everyone's like, yep, connecting to server. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ugh. So, uh, I mean, so that's kind of, you know, frustrating. But the good news is that there are probably server issues because of all the people playing the Arena Open, and we just want more people right. to play. So maybe this will just help them know, hey, next time people really love this and like they, they missed it last time. So now they're coming again. And uh, well, we just need to be more prepared for it. So hopefully that's what they, how they take that away. But, you know, overall it seemed, uh, it seemed great. Um, also, if you didn't know, uh, if you did not complete your day one, uh, you get a full refund. Uh, Wizards has already given that to you. And um, also, yeah, there's some code where you can get some. So if you just didn't complete your day one, yes. Like, I, what if I played three matches and went one and two, in in my like seven best of one or whatever? So you still had just you still had one match to lose. Yeah. Then you got refunded. Yeah. If you they would have just given me my twenty thousand gold or whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
so that that should have happened. If it hasn't, uh, please contact Wizard Support. Uh, but they did say that they did that. And there's a there's a code you can type in um, experimental overload, I think, and then you get like two thousand experience if you missed some, you know, whatever mastery pass stuff. But yeah, and that works for so, everybody. So go get some of that. Everyone should do that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I get that it totally sucks if you set aside oh, on Saturday. I'm going to play in this thing and you weren't able to really participate and you were looking forward to it and stuff. But overall, like we're saying, this kind of ha is a good omen in the sense that it means a ton of people wanted to play this. Exactly. Um, so yes, it is a, you know, a really frustrating thing if that's what you're doing. But like you said, hopefully they can get their act together moving forward. And it just means they'll offer more and more of these. Yeah. Um, if people are really enjoying them. Exactly. So that is great. Um, uh, starting this, I think it's, I believe it's this, the day this episode comes out, which is Thursday, so it's two days away from us, but, um, it is the College Cup, which is something that's going to be happening in the next three weeks. It's kind of one of those events that they do where you get some, you know, there's some wacky format and you play it and then you get some prizes. The reason that we're actually talking about it is because you do get the Japanese alt art, uh, card styles, which are a hot cool. commodity, I would say. Mm -hmm. So do pay attention to those because the prizes are worth it, I would say. I actually didn't know when this started, so I've just been using my Dina avatar, you know, since I since... knew this was a thing, just in case it started without yeah. me knowing. So basically what happens is that uh, if you play in this event and depending on which avatar you use, the sleeves and your pet, uh, you will be gaining points for your chosen college. Um, or a mix of the ones that you like the most. And then at the end of the event, uh, whichever college ended up getting the most points, um, Arena, I don't know for how long, but they're going to transform it. And it's like, you're, it's like your college won, and there's going to be streamers on Arena that show your college, and everyone gets like an exclusive card sleeve of that college and stuff. So um, Sounds kinda... nothing like the House Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it seems kind of fun. That's, that's, a, that's a cute little thing. I like thing. it. Yeah. And the prizes are really good, and that's why I like it mostly. Um, so is it a specific event you have to play in, or is it just like while this is ongoing, if I play with my uh, I, Strixhaven sleeves, then that college gets my... So I believe it's actually just the first win that you get in that event uh, okay. counts the, the point. So it's not like if you're grinding forever, you can uh, grind. You're helping yeah. Yeah, Wither Bloom win. Yeah, so just know that... Uh, you can do that. Also, it's great because the avatars come with the mastery pass like early on in the the paths, so you can choose, yes. and it's it doesn't uh, doesn't take forever. You don't have to put in a bunch of time to try to get them. They're very accessible. That's great. We also had a big <laughs> has a there's tons of stuff. Um, the <laughs> the summer of legend, I guess, was the article that they were talking about. That's but basically, right. there's yeah. a big article explaining everything that's going to happen this summer. Um, Tons and tons of stuff, but the things that are really important to us uh, on Arena is that we are getting another, uh, his sorry, we're getting another historic anthology, number five. Mm -hmm. It comes out at the end of this month, and there will be 25 cards in it. I mean, the last one didn't do much for me, but uh, we talked about that already. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm always excited for these, you know? Yeah. Historic's a really cool format, and so adding more cool stuff to it is is always a plus exactly it's funny because we just had something that was so huge and shook up historic immensely that these little 25 cards really don't feel like that much yeah <laughs> when you're like well you just added like 60 something cards so now it just feels like okay fine this is like a kind of you know the cherry on top or something but we'll see um if they continue their trend where a lot of the cards are good for a brawl instead of uh Hmm. Regular. Why might they do that? Hmm. We'll see. Maybe by July we'll have 
uh, historic brawl forever? No, that's a crazy aggressive estimate. I don't know. Sounds <laughs> like it. Um, so this, but there was something that happened in the uh, the Summer of Legend article that uh, it didn't it didn't grind my gears. It was so much worse than that. And I think now we've decided we're going to change the segment to um, it bolts my bird is what it yeah. does. <laughs> so long-time Magic players will be familiar with the feeling of having your bird bolted, mm -hmm. um, which is, of course, when your Gilded Goose gets hit by a Demon Bolt from your opponent, so it stops your mana engine. Yes, that that's uh, <laughs> originally those are the cards that were used for, for Bolt My Bird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the D&D set is coming out in July, and we already have spoilers for it in May. <laughs> And that bolts your bird, doesn't that it? That really bolts my bird. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, man. Oh. I feel like we're literally two weeks into Strixhaven. Like it's official release. Um, yeah, and I just want to point. So that's, you know, frustrating, but, you know, whatever. There's some stuff in it, and that's cool. You can go check out those spoilers if you want. However, the release schedule that kind of was like, what? It seems interesting for this next set is that previews for it start on June 29th. But the set comes out on Arena on July 8th. And then the pre-release is the next weekend on the 16th. And then the official release is on the 23rd. So we get it on Arena two weeks before it officially comes out. And then spoiler season is only one week long. Very strange. But we still have spoilers a month before the set officially releases. I don't exactly know what's going on. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> take, take that. In, uh, in a month and a half, we'll be complaining that spoilers are upon us. I know. Ugh. Anyway, um, as you know, we're not the biggest fan of spoilers sometimes. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's fun to see them but, and get on the hype train. And usually I jump. I, I like that they're waiting and only doing one week of spoilers yes. rather than like, okay, spoilers start at the end of may and it's like strixhaven just came out yeah it's like so that is good we got a little bit of a taste and hopefully that'll hold people off for a while and then and then we'll get there um mm -hmm. but anyway whew, man there's that's the housekeeping um a lot of stuff a lot of stuff but let's just jump right into this conversation I, i'm pretty excited about this we've been uh talking about it we just wanted to kind of so obviously with Strixhaven, because it's enemy colored pairs and we have names for en enemy colored pairs in Ravnica, um, we just kind of want to talk about the differences between the two or, you know, them versus each other or just kind of like, you know, there has been a lot of talk about them in general, just because this is the first time Wizards is giving us an official name for a color pair that we already have an official name right. for. Um and just, you know, this is kind of an experiment that they did. Is it possible for us to do a, a you know, two-color or a color pair set that is not Ravnica, yeah. that feels very different from Ravnica? And so did they succeed in that? Did they not succeed in that? You know, All those things. Okay. And, and What's I, the deal? I, I heard something that, like, really the last enemy-colored focus set that wasn't, like, a Ravnica thing uh, and, and Ravnica also mixes them together, so it's not always, like, allies and enemies. But it was, like, um, what, like, Eventide or something? Or, and then Apocalypse. Oh, Eventide, I guess. It was, like, yeah. Eventide and then Apocalypse, I think. So, man, it's really, like, this is a special thing. I didn't fully grasp how 
how I think much Apocalypse was like the first time they did enemy color pairs, Ever. and that was the big deal. Yeah, it was it was like, was whoa, a... we got enemy color mm-hmm. pairs. So, also for people who don't know, if the, if you're new to to the enemy and ally colored things, basically, if you look at the color pie in the back of a magic card, um, the colors that touch each other are allies, and the colors that don't touch each other are enemies. So, white's allies would be green and blue. Enemies would be black and red, essentially. Right, and so green and black are enemies. But they are a color pair in this set. So yes. all of the color pairs are formed from two enemy colors. Exactly. Um, which, I mean, we have said this before. And just as far as Strixhaven goes, I have really been kind of really surprised by it. And I really love the limited format and the set itself. Um, just mm-hmm. a lot. I've been really just happy all around, man. Yeah. So why don't we just just dive right in? Do you want to start by going maybe... Like talking about uh, a specific college and its corresponding guild. And Absolutely. I mean, are, whether they. Let's start with like the uh, the the biggest one that everyone was like you know going into. Um, Boros is obviously the the um, the guild that people tend to not love. I mean, <laughs> I know you have a very special <laughs> place for for Boros in your heart, but um, yeah, I grew up a Boros mage. Mm-hmm. So. It always kind of felt like Boros. Boros was. I mean, they're all trying to do the same kinds of things each time we go back to Ravnica in slightly different ways. Um, but the attacking thing seems to be like, yeah, okay, you know, Boros likes to attack. It's like the military. Um, they enforce stuff on on uh, Ravnica, and they they just like attack stuff, and that's what they do. So it's been such a huge breath of fresh air to have this Lorehold College that is very different for sure um for me this one just even when i saw the previews got really excited like wow red white with a graveyard theme and and connecting it to history and like you know your ancestors and that's why they have the spirit theme too mm-hmm. um it just all really resonated i was like i didn't see any cards that made me feel like this isn't a red white card you know, they're just doing this to be different. Exactly. They did Graveyard Matters in a very red-white way, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I think that they have, the, like, Lorehold is the, the home run slam dunk. Like, right. as far yeah. as, like, the, the I don't know if, like, the cards are going to be great and constructed or in limited. They don't always come together correctly or well, but I think just looking at the cards and the themes and what they wanted to get into it, just by looking at it, it just has so much flavor, and you can really feel it. I think they did a great job uh, with all of that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I like how they sort of intentionally pulled it away, even though both of these colors have aggressive elements to them. Mm-hmm. That's why Boros, it was so natural to make it aggressive. They decided to pull away from that and make it kind of slow, like maybe not the slowest college, but... Much, the second slowest yeah definitely more like mid-rangey um to the the higher end mid-ranger um yeah it's uh it's been great i think that um i mean there are some attacky cards in it there is like the blade historian which is like oh that looks like a boros card to me because it makes everybody get double strike true yeah there are still some cards uh which, but basically, any card that wants to attack is going to feel Boros. Exactly. I guess that, that is the case where it's like, well, if it's aggressive in any sense or like puffs, uh, puffs, uh, it buffs power instead of toughness or, or only power, it feels like it's Boros for some reason. You're like, okay, well. Um, what is this red direct damage spell? I thought Lorehold wasn't the same as Boros. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, that's just a red thing. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've just been really loving that. And that's. 
it's been very easy to to say there's a distinction between Boros and uh, Lorehold for sure. And especially yeah. if you're building decks or something, you can be like, this is actually a Lorehold deck um, because of these reasons and the strategy I'm doing is like this, as opposed to what you would typically say a Boros deck is. Right. And obviously this is an overarching thing, but one of the strategies they used to make the colleges feel different from the guilds is to not give each college a keyword Mm -hmm. because every Ravnica set each guild has its own keyword so Boros had mentor battalion and radiance and those keywords like well radiance was weird and crappy but battalion and mentor both kind of tell you hey this attack 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 yeah and so I think it's really cool here that they tell you what Lorehold is doing by showing you how it uses the keywords of Strixhaven to its advantage rather than, oh, this keyword is clearly built to attack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the the big thing, uh, we had mentioned this in the last episode, but just talking about how, um, like you just said, each guild has their own keyword in each one of those sets. And those keywords usually kind of work together with the other sh- shared color that they have mm-hmm. with the other ones that are in the set. Um, and how Strixhaven doesn't have any specific keywords for any specific college. Every college right. has access to basically all the different keywords. Um, uh, there's some kind of new things that were brought in, but nothing feels like I don't feel as like railroad tracky as I as I mm-hmm. usually feel in, in Ravnica. I think as far as like drafting goes, it definitely feels really different than a, a guild set to draft because for me it's like I liked that I would often end up in a a shard, you mm-hmm. know, three colors. And that my cards would synergize and I felt like I was doing this thing. Whereas I don't think that's really a thing here. You can splash. Sure, you could splash black cards in your Lorehold deck. But they don't synergize that well with your like the black-white cards and the red-white cards aren't necessarily built to work together. So it feels more like a, a two-color pair deck. You know, that's oddly splashing. enough. That's, that's splashing a black card. That's interesting because I feel uh, differently. I feel like Strixhaven feels more like... I can uh, grab pieces from other uh, colleges and it doesn't feel as uh, rigid where it's like, sometimes when I play some Ravnica sets, it was like, well, this card, obviously I'm splashing for something or whatever that just feels so out of place um, that I would, I could really tell, oh, this, this black card is supposed to be in the other deck and it doesn't fit in this deck at all yeah see for me Strixhaven just it just doesn't really feel like a faction set it just, it just feels, feels like, like a, a regular set. draft format um so your cards have about as much synergy as they usually do yeah you know, yeah like, and no i agree with that for sure and you're not in in terms of your point of railroading it's not like oh you're you're green black now you just take green black cards or whatever mm-hmm. it's just that you're gonna end up in one of the enemy color pairs a lot more often yeah. So it just feels like a regular set where 90% of the time you end up in an enemy color pair. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think, uh, and that's, that's probably why I like it so much because I was, I was worried going into it thinking it was going to be um, just kind of like a carbon copy of Ravnica mm-hmm. stuff. And it feels just extremely different in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, Ravnica felt more like you're either drafting one of the guilds or one of the shards that intersect that overlap two guilds yeah. and you're doing the thing that those uh, color combinations want you to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one of those color combinations that uh, we have seen in Strixhaven as well is the is it guild in Ravnica, which that mm-hmm. was like the mad scientists and they're all about um, 
spells and lots of spells. Um, usually kind of cantrippy things. They, there's a lot of like storm stuff going on because part of it is like they're harnessing the, the lightning from the sky to, to power their machines. And this one, as far as the college goes, we've both kind of talked about this before, but it feels closer or maybe the closest to I the think guild. so. For me, this one is the least different or reimagined. It, it resonated the least with me as, as being new. Yeah. Um, so, of course, this is the Prismari, which is the blue red mm-hmm. college, um, who are the, the artists and everything. Um, I mean, it can be hard because the entire set is spell focused. So usually when you see like tons and tons of spells, when your, your deck is mostly spells, you're thinking, is it just through years and years of playing magic? It just feels, is sure. it? Sure. Um, that's, but that's kind of why I was excited to see something new for red, yeah. blue. And granted, they didn't just say, oh, this is spells matters. Because of course, like you're saying, that would mean nothing when the whole set is spells matter. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. High mana value spells felt like a bit of matter. Felt like a bit of a cop out to me. Yeah. Um, and just more of the same. I would have loved it if they just explored something that had nothing to do with spells. Like the actual theory behind, or like, sorry, the uh, theme of each of these things doesn't have to do with spells because it doesn't need to because the set is all about spells. You know, yeah. Lorehold is, is graveyard stuff. It's not explicitly spells that have flashback or something. Yeah. Um, so this I would have liked to see just their theme have nothing to do with spells. Yeah. Because the set has everything to do with spells. Maybe something like uh, it cares about, you know, the red side cares about discarding cards and the blue side cares about drawing or even just, you know, maybe something a little further for than drawing cards for blue because they've done that before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, discarding or whatever, because you have looting and rummaging, it could care about that. Yeah. I mean, as far as like the, so of course, so the artists. So I do like the idea that you're spending a lot of time building up your earlier turns to play something really big, that which is like your performance, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, the setup and, and waiting for it and having to try to have one big explosive thing happen. Um, I do get that feeling. It definitely comes across. Um, but I do know kind of what you're saying where... The, yeah. As far as and I love Magma Opus. So oh yeah. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I love that card, and I think it's the perfect example of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, even in in name, right? It's literally like the artist's defining yeah. work, yeah. Uh, culminating big work, with, and um, with magma. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, which is great, and I like the idea that you know you're you're dancing and you know making it rain fire and all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna start using it in like everyday conversation whenever i mean to say magnum opus i'm going to say magma, magma opus, opus. the artist's magma opus oh it's just their magma opus you know it's just they're yeah. on it's on fire almost yeah um yeah i think that was great but as far as like the way it feels different from is it they both feel kind of like almost the crazy people a little bit it's like oh there's the artist who's you know yeah. doing some crazy dance thing and oh that's the scientist up in their laboratory working on something weird they both has that kind of working on something weird uh yeah <laughs> that uh, kind of crosses over but um mad artists mad artists uh, though moving right along um another one that feels kind of similar to me which is funny be that we like well we obviously started with the one that was the most different 
So now we're getting to, into one, some of the ones that feel like they overlap a bit more. And this would be Simic and Quandrix, I think. So Simic um, was all about, they were like, yeah, the bio engineers. They were the, I guess they were also kind of mad scientists, but the side of mad scientists that was like grafting different types of creatures together to make some amalgam, yeah. amalgam monstrosity. Um, and they cared thematically or like mechanically about plus one plus one counters was usually kind of yeah. their thing. Because the flavor was like you are trying to um, improve yourself. So blue mm -hmm. is about improving yourself through knowledge and usually green is about um, letting the earth do what it does because it is improving itself on its own. Um, so putting those two together is kind of like... Letting nature take its yeah. course. It's like, oh man, my arm would be so much better if it was actually a claw from a giant crab. Then I could really do some damage. <laughs> and that's kind of what they do. They're like, oh, well, we'll just stitch that onto you. Um, which mm -hmm. is kind of, in essence, is putting a plus a couple plus one plus one counters on your, your creature. Um, but yeah, plus one plus one counters and ramp. I mean, we've been doing Simic stuff. Uh, Simic is just like that color pair that's like, oh, you, oh, okay, you're drawing cards and ramping? Cool. Right, like the Simic color pair has traditionally been about ramp, especially at the top levels. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much the actual guild was ever about ramping. Uh, there's always a little bit of it, but just because green ramps, yeah. you know. But uh, most of the most egregious cards for for it, like Uro and, I, and uh, Grow Spiral, weren't actually like Simic cards. Technically, they were just well, Grow Spiral cards. was technically. A, oh, oh, you're right. It was on. You're right, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was yeah, from Ravnica. So. Ravnica Legions, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, so that that's the one card. But um, as far as like Uru and Oko goes and stuff, those are uh, those are just from other, <laughs> other sets. Meanwhile, Quandrix, they're the math nerds. I totally get that. I'm glad we're we're seeing some representation finally. Mm -hmm. uh, and their thing is, I, I don't really know. Big. What is Quandrix's thing? I don't it's, know. It's ramp, ramp, right? Kind it's, of. It's it's lots. Of, it's cards with uh numbers in it right it's it's like ramp up into nothing really it's ramp up into a big creature token seems to be basically it's yeah make a big creature <laughs> token make a big thing um, because that creature token is called a fractal they're yeah. the math nerds um it does have the the sub theme of like you want to have eight lands there are a couple things there's a squirrel that cares about that and another common card uh yeah. but this seems the weirdest where i'm like I don't know how to. I don't know where to nail you down, really. So I could. I don't think I would ever be able to look at a deck and be like, "Oh no, 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 that's not a Simic deck. That's Quandrix." Ever. Right. It would always be like, "There's." So in Morrow's article, he mm -hmm. kind of spoke to it a little bit. He said that when they handed off in Vision Design, it was a go wide thing. So fractals were okay. Instead of making one big fractal, you were meant to make many small fractals, which would make sense and with then, uh, bio. Uh, bio. In, what is that one card? It's like a biomathematician. Biomathematician. Literally just somebody's job, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a new card. Uh, it's called Physicist. Uh, <laughs> cool. That really takes me out of the real world yeah. and into this, this story. But, but it's like a creature that like enters, makes a fractal, and then puts counters on all your fractals. Right. And so the math aspect was supposed to come in in effects like that, where it's like put a that exact effect mm -hmm. or double all the counters or you know like uh, you have or put a plus one plus one counter on each creature and so you used to have to figure yeah. out how much damage that is and i guess in um, development they changed it to a a bit of more of a ramp 
focused thing. And so what's left is, I don't know, it cares about plus one, plus one counters. It does a bit of ramping. It tries to go wide a little bit in some cases. And you kind of, for me, this was a bit of a mishmash that I don't actually know from playing the set. Like you talk about Asfan and stuff. I don't know from looking at the cards and playing the set what a Quandrix deck is really supposed to do other than ramp into big Prismari spells. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And it really feels like they, they lend themselves together like, oh, well, you know, you can fix yourself really well in Quandrix. If you have a big Prismari spell, you can play it really easily off of that. Because um, Quandrix doesn't have that much stuff to ramp into. Like, it has the Bookworm, I guess, yeah, or whatever. But, bookworm. but at a constructed level, almost nothing. It, it makes the giant XX with your library. 48, 48 yeah. trend. Fractal, but like, so that one's the one of the weirdest ones to me. I think is that um, it just, you know, it's just kind of there. I I see how they changed it because uh, Simic does feel like you put a lot of counters on a bunch of different things, and they had cards that would double counters on two or three creatures or whatever, and Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So if they, you know, they're trying to get away from that, they just got away into kind of a space that feels a little. And if in the end it is supposed to be ramp like Maro's kind of suggesting, mm-hmm. that's pretty disappointing because blue-green is literally always ramp. Exactly. <laughs> Just do anything else, you know? Exactly. So, kind of, um, eh, you know, sorry, yeah. sorry, math nerds, I guess. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> <That's your laughs> but even the, the head dragon, right? It isn't really a ramp card. It, it puts counters on all of... It makes all of your creatures have his power and toughness. So it's a go-wide card. It's Yeah, but it also, when it enters, it like doubles the counters on a creature. So it makes one right. big thing that gets a little bit bigger when you attack because they all get <laughs> plus four. I don't know. I, right. I, I don't know. Um, that's probably the, the roughest one for me. I don't think I will ever use... I don't think I've ever called a deck Quandrix besides in draft. <laughs> and I don't think I'm ever going to say, oh, this deck is Quandrix and constructed uh, ever. Um, it just... Although Quandrix Command is one of the better designed ones. I don't know if it's any good. That's true. I like that it's very high impact, but extremely situational modes. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving right along, getting into Golgari, which I know is you know one of your favorites. So I'll kind of like just pass the reins and I'll let you talk about Golgari. And, and also getting into the worst command. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've always loved Green Black, or I've always loved Golgari, mostly because I love the play style of green black and not because I liked the guild necessarily. Like I like, um, graveyard shenanigans as much as the next person, but I never liked broken graveyard stuff like dredge. Not my thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the deck that just flips over its library and on turn three, you're super dead. I don't enjoy that kind of magic because it feels more like, well, if my library was in the right order, you're fucked, (laughs) you know, like, but if it's not, my deck doesn't do anything. Do you want to play again? Like, um, which, by the way, if you love those kinds of decks, you know that's that's totally. I was going to cool. say that sounds kind of fun to me. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just not like I love green because it just has efficient green black because it has like the most efficient creatures and the most efficient removal. And to me, that's just like a fun way to play is to just try to stick a couple of couple of reasonably sized beaters and then just one for one and you know, see who comes out on top. Mm-hmm. So I would really love Witherbloom because I just love to, it's my favorite color pair that is totally different. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't play at all like Golgari really. Really not at all. Um, there might be like one recursive thing, but for the most part, you don't really, there are some 
a, like a couple sack things, but for the most part, it's just like, yeah, the reason you want to sack this is so you can either keep this giant creature that you have, or you want to sack that giant creature to get a bunch of little ones, and you just have a bunch a ton of little pests around. And when they die, you gain life, and then you have some gain life trigger things. Um, right. So Golgari was always just graveyard-centric, right? Yeah. They had undergrowth, which counts how many creatures you have in your graveyard. It's scavenge, which literally takes creatures out of your graveyard and turns them into counters. Mm-hmm. And they had, well, the infamous dredge, dredge. mechanic. Yeah. Um, whereas Witherbloom, I mean, Green Black's always going to have some sort of cards, you know, that deal with the graveyard in some yeah. way. You know, like some sort of um, raised dead type mm-hmm. card. Um, but the actual Witherbloom college is all about, like, life gain and spending life. Like, it's all about um, manipulating your life total for resources. Yeah. So the green side is gaining life and the black side is spending life. Uh, instead of mana to get kind of more pushed abilities. And that's such an obvious like combo for this color pair, but I just love it. I think it's it really plays well in practice to, um, even if it's not the most powerful of the colleges, I still think it's just really cool that I have these cards that, oh, they gain life, and then I have this card that's like, oh, you can spend life to do this yeah. great thing. Well, you know what I really like about it is that as far as like where they started with Golgari and where they started with Witherbloom are fairly close because you know Golgari is all about death and re- bringing back the dead, and mm-hmm. this is still about life and death, just using something else to represent life and death. But right. as far as like the two, like using ideas, life to represent life, yeah, that was a that, big, that's a you know <laughs> big step for them. Yeah. But but you know what I mean, like yeah, it's yeah. Um, I I do think it's that was nice in the in the sense that it didn't feel like we were like you know trying to jump so far away it was just like hey this is another way we could have done this type of idea and i thought that was a really cool design space and i i've been really happy with the wooded bloom stuff um right. also just super and, fun to play and just as a you know general thing i like in the past because it's graveyard based golgari tends to be either totally unplayable or completely busted mm-hmm. because it's really hard to like toe the line of a fair graveyard deck or graveyard mechanic like undergrowth was just so they they refused to push it it was so clear so many of their cards could have easily been much better mm-hmm. but they were just the wizards chose to make all the undergrowth cards bad on rate yeah um so it's like i have to jump through all these hoops to get creatures in my graveyard and the payoff is less powerful than what my opponent's just casting, you know? Um, but then it's because they missed the mark so hard with Dredge that... Uh, They've just been scarred forever. They just right, have... whereas Witherbloom feels like it just lands in the middle. It's mm-hmm. just, like, pretty good. It's not busted. It's yeah. not... And it's fun. It's not, they did a, it's not garbage. I think it hits the fun mark, you know, right there. Right. I, uh, I've liked that. So um, that was great. And, of course, like, we didn't mention this before, but Witherbloom is, like, the kind of goth biologists is what they've kind of mentioned. Pretty much, um, yeah. That's exactly their description. They, they're kind of just like they're in potions class all the time is what it seems like. Yeah, exactly. It's Professor Snape. You know? Yeah, Snape is uh, <laughs> Belladros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, coming around on the last uh, enemy pair, um, so we have one of my favorites, actually, from uh, Ravnica, which is, um, I say Orzov. But it's, it's, I do, too. It's, but it's Orzhov. Yeah, a lot I of think. people say Orzhov. Um, anyway, that I guess technically the 
correct pronunciation, but whatever. Um, when I do remember how to say Orzov and not Azorius, uh, I say Orzov. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> so these are kind of, I didn't really know how to explain what they are, but they're kind of just like religious ghost bankers. Because in Ravnica, <laughs> yeah. they like, they're in charge of the banks, but they're all dead. And the point is that like, even if you have a debt in life and you die, it doesn't mean that you get rid of your debt. You continue to pay your debt in death as well, um, right. which sucks. And that's a fucking just religious banker thing, I, I feel like. Um, so thank you, Kaya, for being a ghost assassin and fucking just ripping through them. Uh, <laughs> that's why she has a job. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but basically, they, their main style, a lot of the things they do are like aristocrat stuff. So make tokens, kill things that uh, make more tokens. So they have afterlife. They have extort, which is, you know, they're all about draining life. This is, this is kind of similar to Witherbloom, where it's like, you know, I play this thing. You lose life, I gain life, and slowly I'm going to, to kill you. Uh, and in the sense, it's like a debt is slowly eating at you and fueling them. Um, and so Silver Quill feel, just feels very different as yeah. far as like... So Silver Quill are like the wordsmiths, yeah. I guess, for lack of a better word. The people mm -hmm. that use words. Yeah, I was saying like poets and <coughs> lawyers, kind of. Or like, yeah. they seem like they're in the debate club. That's what it seems like to me. So I'm like, oh... Anyone who might say to you, the pen is mightier than the sword, they're probably... They're probably in Silver yeah. Quill. Well, Silver Quill probably has a pen that is a sword. Right. <laughs> um, it turns into like an ink sword or something in the cut. Um, but yeah. So you said Orzov is your favorite. What do you think of Silver Quill? Actually, I really like Silver Quill as well. Because um, mm -hmm. Orzov has, you know, the kind of sit back, make a bunch of stuff, and uh, you kill them not through combat damage, but through things that they have, they're out of their control. Like, oh, if you attack me, I'm going to block, and my, when my creatures die, you die. Or if I attack into you, even if you block, you still die. Um, mm -hmm. That stuff's kind of fun. And Silver Quill is just like, you know, it kind of has the Boros mentality of attack and kill. And use your life to get an advantage to attack either in the air um, or uh, just, I don't know, gain life with your Poet's Quill. I guess you're, what, what does Poet's Quill do? You write evil notes to people and then their tears give you life or something i don't exactly know how that makes you better in combat but don't um, think too much about it yeah <laughs> but as far as like what silver quill does by themselves it really just feels like they kill things and attack um yeah they make a you know inklings and a bunch of tokens and and kill you and and make it so you know you kill a big blocker there's that one card that kills a blocker and then everything else that blocks also makes them lose a, a life yeah has a similar feeling yeah, and I, I always like black aggro decks. Mm -hmm. I think that's an archetype that kind of got lost for a while because it just wasn't as fast as the red and white aggro decks. Yeah. Um, but that's by design, right? It's Black aggro decks are meant to be a bit slower than red ones, but they have disruption. So it's kind of like, I'm going to attack you and, and kill you quickly, but I'm also going to kind of keep you off your footing. You know, off, yeah, I'm going to mm -hmm. sort of put you off guard with cards like Dossies. Exactly. Um, and I love those kinds of decks, and, and those are actually, when that's the best aggro deck in the format, I usually like that, because it's the matchups have a lot of play, whereas sometimes when mono red is the aggro deck of choice, it's still fun, but it's like, sometimes they're just going to have the mono red draw, exactly. and you're just dead. They're just going to be on the play, they're going to have turn three Anax into turn four Embercleave, and there's pretty much nothing you could have done about that. Mm -hmm. um, 
whereas black aggro decks it always feels like even if it's not true it feels like you had a chance because yeah. you're like all right i have this wrath of god sitting oh they thought seized it at the last like, second oh <laughs> um but yeah i mean like i i've been like it's once again something i don't know how to exactly pinpoint what a silver quill card is besides like a, a deck yes i can tell a deck is a silver quill deck because it's a uh white right again black, silver quill and orzov are super different yeah um which makes close. me feel like you know orzov auras in historic kind of feels a lot more like a silver quill deck because most of the things yeah. you're doing are disrupting your opponent you aren't really worried about um a lot of life synergies or aristocrat stuff because really you're just trying to kill their thing and get your thing in um and right. beat them with some card advantage different engines but it uh it doesn't have the same Orzov feel and that's why we've kind of switched to say silver quill auras because i really think that that makes a little bit more sense um yeah it's closer the deck still sometimes just sits back and and literally beats you on raw card advantage because yeah. once they get going they just can't no deck can keep up with the amount of cards that they're drawing totally but um depends on the matchup right exactly. some of them are just a race and you have to play very silver quill some mm -hmm. of them are kind of sit back in an Orzov-like fashion and yeah. let the inevitable victory come. Yeah, so actually talking about that, how a deck could be two different names, I just wanted mm -hmm. to say, like, number one, are you using these names for anything? The Obviously, so so Wizards is, is introducing that these are going to be uh, names of color pairs, and traditionally we have just used the Ravnica ones for everything, including sets that aren't Ravnica, right? If you ever have... For sure. You know, a blue-green deck, you say Simic Ramp or whatever. Like, that's the name of the deck. Mm -hmm. Are we... Yeah, and the same is true of the Shards and the... And the Cons the, and um, the... Yeah, I forget um, what the those are called. Wedges. The Wedges, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so is... Are, first of all, are you using these names? I am. I'm trying to make a conscious effort to, while Strixhaven is around, um, use the Strixhaven names. It doesn't come up that often in Standard because... Most of the two-color... There are very few two-color pair decks because of uh, the outrageous mana fixing that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and the ones that are around are Gruul. Yeah. You know? And Demir. And Demir, yeah. So <laughs> it actually hasn't really come up, but uh, and Rakdos is starting to see a bit more play. It's literally like all of the... Non all the ally-colored... <laughs> all the ally-colored pairs are doing very well in standard. Um, but I will definitely be using them to describe standard decks because... You know, once Throne rotates and some of these cards get to see play. Like, if it's literally a life gain, life spend deck, green black deck, you can't call that Golgari, man. Yeah. Like, it's a Witherbloom deck. It has nothing to do with the graveyard. It's not just a green black mid range deck. Like, it actually is a Witherbloom deck. You gotta call it Witherbloom. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, I have, you know, talked to a bunch of people that say that they will just, they never wanna use the other names. They're like, it took me long enough to figure out what the first ones were. These, this is what they are. I'm never changing. Um, and I think that's fair, and it's probably the way the community is going to land on it. Mm -hmm. I think it depends a lot, too, on what Wizards does with coverage. So in upcoming, yeah. you know, we have the League weekend this, weekend this weekend. If somebody plays a green-black deck, are they going to call it Golgari mid-range, or are they going to call it Witherbloom mid-range? Yeah, so that's a big thing. I mean, I think that if Wizards starts saying it, maybe people will fall they may might follow in suit or maybe they're just gonna be like you know what no i've i'm doing the the way i like yeah. it and i mean like uh there were names before the uh the cons or sorry yeah, the, the and, wedges right 
and I remember I was around at that time and I was watching, um, I was getting back into magic. So I started watching these, um, like the pro tours and stuff that was going on at the time. And wizards was always, Oh, this is Absan. This is a Sultai deck. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking the names wouldn't stick because they were so bad. I was like, Absan, Sultai. Mm -hmm. Remember them thinking they were like lame and clunky. Now they just roll off my tongue and they're, they're really normal. So I don't know what it was about that that made me think that. But I remember everyone was saying the same thing, that they were just going to keep calling it junk, which, yeah, for those who don't know, is Absan. Mm-hmm. And, or Bug, which was Sultai, because Bug is, is black, uh, blue, green, B-U-G. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't know if Mardu had a name. I don't think it really did. Yeah. But, like, you know, people were just like, I'm going to keep calling it that. I'm not going to use these weird new names that are only around for one block. Um, and that turned out to be false. Yeah, and people <laughs> yeah. still use them. When I came back into Magic, it was after that, um, and I hadn't even gotten used to the Ravnica names yet. I didn't know any of them. I had to literally get a chart to teach me what the names were because I would always forget, and people would be talking, and I'd ha- it's like a new language. I had no idea. So I understand right. if you're a newer player that just learned the language, you're like, no, don't make new ones. I just figured out these ones. However, if you're a new player that this is your first set and you're like... Right, if you're an even newer player, I don't want people saying Golgari. Like, what's that? Oh, green, black. Isn't that Witherbloom? Isn't that Witherbloom? No. And people are like, no, that's not Witherbloom. Like, fuck off or whatever. You're like, well, I never call it Witherbloom. Yeah, and, and so it'll just be interesting to see. Ultimately, the community is going to decide because, um, well, I mean, Jeff, you do tournaments all the time and you have to register your, your deck and... Can you just write whatever you want as your deck type? Or? No, so it's all the they're all run through MTG Melee, and you have to choose. You have to choose a Ravnica name, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so even if I was playing a Witherbloom deck through and through, it would be called Golgari Midrange. And then all your opponents would see that, and then if people looked up the deck list, it would be called that. And um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, there you know there is that. So, well, we will see if if anything kind of changes but i'm not against calling decks by these names depending on their play style i think that that would be a really great yeah. thing why not have more information about about a deck? and then if point? you if it's a deck that isn't really an aggro deck or you know a graveyard based mid-range spirits deck you could still just call it boros because that's what we're used to you know yeah Maybe just call the ones that are literally built around the cards from this set in that college. Just call those ones by the college. Hey, maybe if you have uh, Velomachus Lorehold in your deck, maybe it should just be a Lorehold. <laughs> like, there you go. You're, you're not naming it after uh, the college. You're naming it after the card in your deck. Yeah. Which <laughs> I'm playing Lorehold, Lorehold. Yeah, well, that just becomes another... <laughs> yeah, Lorehold, Lorehold. That just becomes another thing about, you know, if you can name your decks or not, whatever you want, um, yeah. which we might talk about at some point. But... As far as we're landing with uh, the Strixhaven versus Ravnica, I think that uh, you know Strixhaven did a really good job of making most of the the colleges feel different, even if it was just because of the draft format. Um, and you know Ravnica will always be beloved by everyone, and they have a lot of uh, time and energy put into Ravnica. The comic that's coming out is all you know Ravnica based. Um, I'm sure that the Netflix series that they're doing is Ravnica stuff. And, um, it's just a lot of people's favorite place, and um, so I, I can see why it's really hard to get away from those names. But I would urge you to to maybe think about it a little yeah. bit. <laughs> and when we come back to Arcavius, who knows how involved Strixhaven will even be? Yeah. Or you know maybe uh, 
Maybe we're going to have a, a new college that isn't Strixhaven that's all the allied colors. Mm, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe we'll never come back here and everyone will forget about the set. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that seems to be pretty popular so far. So. Yeah, I, I mean, if they can just do more Mystical Archive stuff, that'd be great. Maybe we just, like, hang out in the library every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. But, Jeff, I think, uh, I think I need a beer. Same. All right, let's go to a beer break. All right, Narnia, show me your secrets. <laughs> I'm nervous for this one. Mojitos are my favorite... Uh, Oh, yeah? Favorite libation. <laughs> well, I, well, have fun. I don't know. I find mint is, like, really nice in small amounts, but once you start just, you know, it's just a, a ton of mint is when I like it less. Uh, and um, so that's why I think I don't tend to like mojitos that much. I love mint. I love all kinds of mint. I love, <laughs> uh, yeah, mint uh, desserts, mint chocolate stuff oh mint chocolate is gross oh i love it i love mint chocolate ice cream no um, no, no no i'm i'm all about all of it menthol big love it God. Uh, <laughs> learn something new every day about me yeah. i guess um all right let's get into this so strixhaven league weekend number two it's very exciting because it is the first time we are having strixhaven cards in pro play yeah. Didn't you say League Strixhaven League Weekend number two? Uh, yes, I did say you are correct. It's League Weekend number two. However, uh -huh. um, for whatever reason, Wizards likes to do this thing where the um, the League Weekend right before the new set comes out that we have for some reason I don't know why they decided to do that uh, is named after the set that hasn't doesn't have cards in it yet. So basically, Strixhaven League Week Weekend number one came out right before Strixhaven came out. Um, I think they were thinking it's it's like some sort of advertisement for the set. However, who's watching Magic coverage that doesn't know all about the new set anyway? So, right, uh, seems like a, a really bad idea. Like even just give the pros the cards a week before everyone else, so then you that can watch sweet. people play the new cards. Oh my god, are you kidding? Before you I actually would, get them. Yeah, I would be all over that if they were playing with the new cards. It would be, That'd be great. Right? It's kind it's of like yeah, a pro pre-release kind of. Yeah, like a week before the set comes out, they do the the kind of the pros do sealed or something, or or drafting or that would be sick. And it'd be fun because the pros didn't have three months to figure out and master and perfect that yeah. format. Maybe <laughs> give them like two days or something and then go. Yeah. That'd be sweet. I would be down for that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, however, that's not the case, and we get to finally see some Strix Heaven cards this league weekend. Um, mm -hmm. However, there uh, are a couple cards that will be uh, suspended um, in Historic. Is uh, I don't remember all of them right now, but it's mainly a lot of the like um, the flip cards from Ixalan. Uh, for some reason, there's a bug on Arena where if you have like a uh, let's say a Legion's Landing or something, and your Legion's Landing flips into the land, um, it will still count the one white pip. On the other side, the face down side, uh, for your devotion. Um, right. Doesn't seem like a really big deal. However, for whatever reason, um, number one, they weren't able to fix it very quickly. So they last week they just said, hey, these cards are suspended. Uh, you can't play them. It's just all the flip cards, right? Yeah, it's like just all the flip cards. as well. Yeah, and so the Grixis, Nicol Bolas, 
Um, that's the creature that flips. I guess they're all Grixis. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> and um, I think the, the other one is Search for Ascanta is one of the big ones that's gone. Um, it's yeah, just, that's the only one that matters. The funny thing yeah. is this rule error probably wouldn't have mattered at all for the tournament. Like mm -hmm. devotion is just not a thing you can do in historic. Yeah. Uh, whereas the card they banned for its, you know, issue in search for Ascanta would have been played this weekend yeah. if it were legal. So it's almost like the bug instead of they made the bug actually have an effect when it probably wouldn't have had an effect. Yeah. But you know, you don't want to incentivize, hey, should I test out this devotion deck? because I know devotion isn't working properly right so now. So it's, oh, I like, can I can cheat this loophole or whatever. Right, you don't want any of that. So yeah. it's, I guess it's fine. Um, it's just weird. Obviously, it would have been optimal if they could have fixed the problem in time. Yeah. And just so everyone's not, oh, well, I play Search for His Content Historic right now. It's like, this is only suspended for this exact event. If you're a pro player in this event, it's suspended, but you can actually play those cards on Arena right now. It's fine. Yeah. And you can play them in other tournaments, too. A lot of other tournaments are saying... Those organizers are like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. You will play by those rules. It's just that league weekend that has any of this happening. Which is right. part of the really weird part. Anyway. Yeah. Um, hopefully they... The, so the part of the reason is because Thassa's Oracle cares about devotion. So there yeah. is a corner case that your flipped search for Ascanta will give you an extra pip for devotion... Yeah, but if you've played against the Tainted Pact combo deck, you know what their devotion is. doesn't matter at all. They have zero cards in yeah. their libraries. So. So. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it is conceivable. A very yeah. corner case. Uh, so that's kind of why they did that. Um, but uh, anyway, League Weekend stuff. Uh, just a quick recap of last League Weekend. Um, now we're in the, the section where players get relegated and players go to the, uh, the MPL for next year and all that kind of stuff. So what happened was that Andre Strasky and Ely Cassis are now locked in for the MPL next year. Congratulations, Andre and Ely. Yeah, good, good work. Uh, Ely played out of his mind this season. Um, I mean, so did Andre, and he played out of his mind in that last league weekend, mm -hmm. for sure. But uh, Ely's really impressed me this season. Yeah. As somebody I have actually lost to in a tournament, you know, makes me feel good to not have won that match, considering nobody seems to be able to beat him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So as far as the MPL players that are moving to rivals or relegated, they're kind of at the bottom, um, who are, will no longer be playing this season, are Canister and then Chris Kovartik and Raphael Levy. So all those three are officially right. rivals members at this point. Yeah. So sad to see that, but, you know, still exciting that we'll get to see them in rivals next year. Mm -hmm. And then as far as uh, rivals that are now just normal challengers like the rest of us, we have John Rolf, Ben Stark, uh, Ali Warfield, Beatrice Grancha, and Joel Larson. These are some of my favorite players. That's, I know. That's a bummer. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sad about Ali because it seems like she is moving on to possibly doing some other games as opposed to Magic. So that's a big, uh, big sad. Yeah. And it's only sad because uh, she, the games she's playing are not games that I'm that into myself. So yeah. I probably won't be watching, watching her as much. Oh. And she she was awesome. Uh, one of one of my preferred streamers to watch whenever she was on. Yeah. Um, but, ben Stark. This lets him focus on his one true love of limited. Yeah. So. Now he just can play limited <laughs> on his phone constantly. 
Uh, this, these stupid Rivals League things won't be getting in his way anymore. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying uh, at this time. So anyway, with all said and done, uh, there will be 60 player this weekend uh, playing for different spots and getting into um, the MPL or not getting relegated and all those kinds of things. There are 20 left in the MPL and 40 left in Rivals. Uh, as always, check Ball Lightning's uh, Twitter feed to uh, keep up with what's going on because Ball Lightning is probably the best person to, uh, to be uh, figuring out what's going on. All right, so coming up this weekend, we basically have the exact same thing that happened last time for the first league weekend. Few key differences. This time we're allowed Strixhaven cards, as mentioned. Hey! Uh, but we're still playing Standard and Historic. And now the pods are a bit smaller because the people we just talked about are no longer participating. And so the pods get messed up because it's, uh, it's not the clean numbers that we had last time. Um, you know, we have 20 players instead of 24 in the MBL, for example, and that doesn't divide evenly into eight. So uh, the pods are just a little bit different. Yeah. So are the they, idea is the same. Are they? I, I was thinking that they were just going to be like two pods of 10. But there might be uh, three pods, like 776 or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how they were going to do it. it uh, the website does not help us with it, these It's things. hard to find this information. But, um, uh, so we have looked for it. Uh, we were inconclusive. But I'm, gonna, I'm kind of guessing uh, two pods of 10. But I could definitely see three pods uh, with one short a number, which seems strange. But, you know, hey. Yeah, basically what it means is that you're not going to get the perfect pod play we had last time where um, you're always matched against someone of the exact same record in that mini pod. Mm -hmm. Like the 1-0s play, the 2-0s play, and then yeah. fight for 3-0 uh, or whatever. Um, and so you only end up with one 3-0 player. But everyone around who's ever drafted at a store has encountered this, right? It's very rare that you actually get the perfect... Uh, you know, divisible by eight number of drafters show up. So everyone's been in a pod that uh, wasn't eight players. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as we always do, we do fantasy sports here on the Arena Regulars. And so we will be drafting fantasy teams right before your very eyes right now. <clears throat> uh, and just because fantasy sports are fun. Right before their ears, I suppose. Uh, yeah, our ears. Yeah, you're not. Well, I guess you could just be looking at your phone and not see our faces. But anyway, um, as always, our, our teams are consist of three MPO players, four Rivals players, and we also pick the highest meta percentage for both formats and the top performing decks for both formats as well. Right. And so everyone by now knows that this is for, this is for some serious stakes. Really big stakes. Yeah. So the loser has to buy a weird 2-4 for the winner. Mm -hmm. So they have to hand select okay, a curated selection of 24 beers that must be delivered to the winner. So we're not talking you know, we're not talking small fry here. Yeah, this isn't like a handshake or nothing. This exactly. is Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and is, we're neck and neck aren't we? This is beer we're talking about. Yes, and we are yeah. neck and neck. Uh, currently the standings are 3-3 three and three after I had a blazing victory the last two weeks uh weekends or, or whatever uh so it has been great uh with that yes so uh the scoring uh system goes as we get one point for each win that your player gets and you get two points for each of the highest um meta percentage or top performing decks decks that you have gotten and for those top performing decks or meta percentages you get two additional points if you beat 
the other player's uh, top performing or highest meta percentage guess. So uh, with that, we just kind of have to get right into things. Uh, this one's going to be weird um, just because, you know, things are getting crazy now. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <clears throat> but as always, we have the, the ceremonial tuning. We do. Uh, so, Jeff, if you would like to call it in the air and maybe maybe uh, don't get, you know, at maybe don't call what you always call is what I was going to say. <laughs> You're trying to get in my head. I'm, I'm trying to get out of my own head. <clears throat> um, all right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Tails. Whoa, tails. Good job. Your tricks didn't work. Hey, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, well, there you go. So you get to uh, either pick first for MPL or defer to rivals. I'll take the MPL pick. All right, go ahead. All right, with my first selection, I will be choosing the third place MPL competitor. Um, should I go with third place or second place? Like, is Andre just locked for first and now everyone's relative to Yes, that? so Andre is locked for first, so everything else is relative to All right, so the third place MPL competitor, I got to go with PVDDR, Paula Vitor, Damo de Rosa, sometimes known as Paula Vito Damo de Rosa. <laughs> and uh, you might know him as the elite spellbinder. He had a Ooh. dominant performance all season and just last week, maybe, or last time, didn't didn't live up to his own lofty standards, and I think he's going to be raging back here, especially if he gets to play uh, as himself. So yes. I'm going to choose uh, Paulo. Great, that's a good pick. You know, I was I was pretty, I was ex- expecting that. And, and as always, if you've listened to these before, we kind of have our, our top two are, are pretty close to set in stone. Um, though you know, it starts to get a little bit harder here because, you know, with these pods and stuff, it, it can be a little difficult. However, I will be picking the player that is currently in second place, who is uh, Gabriel Nassif. Okay, okay, I like that. All right, with my next pick, this is somebody who has really done me a solid in the past, and I'm just feeling it again. Last time I was feeling it, and they top eighted the event. I'm feeling it this time. I'm going to jump all the way down to tied for sixth place. I will be choosing Andrea Mangucci. Ooh. Okay, that's a good one. Ooh. Just, just Andrea, please, please don't submit 160 cards for this event. Please. <laughs> I can, or what? What is it with with the sideboards? 190 cards. Yeah, 190 please, cards. No. I I can definitely see that happening. I think sure. he did it last time. Just not this time, Andrea. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. That feels pretty solid. I like that. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm kind of going around. I think I'm, oh, so this is where I, the pods start to get in my head a little bit. However, I think that I have a clear idea of what I want to do. What I'm going to do this, well, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, tell me what you're going to do. Yeah. So uh, tied for 15th place going way okay. down. Okay. I am going to pick Shahar Shenhar. All right. I was like, is he picking Shahar or Huey? Yeah, I could see either being a, a fine pick. Yeah, so I'm picking Shahar. Uh, the The strategy behind this is that they are in different um, pods or pools, so that you won't have as many matches against each other. So I might not get as many random losses out of nowhere. Right. Where it's like a win loss, you know. I don't want any of those. I don't know if it's going to be good, but this it's is a guaranteed point, though. Yeah. But, Interesting. But it's also you you know, it's a I gotta gamble a little bit, right? Yep, 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 mm-hmm. yep. Now I'm wondering if I wanna do that. 
okay, you know what? Maybe I will. And I'm going to take another another wild card pick here that's, again, worked out for me in the past. I'm going to take 12th place, Ken Yukihiro. Oh. oh, I could totally see that. All right. All right, so Ken, okay, let me look at your team. That seems pretty good. Um, Gucci, good. All right. Um, my, I, I was thinking about taking a really big shot in this last one, and I don't know if I should, but I might not ever be able to take this again. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm, I'm. I like that logic. I'm feeling keep, wily. Keep going down that track. You, you <laughs> Just, should take Raphael Levy. I think. Uh, no, no, I can't. I won't be doing that. However, uh, I, I like what's going on with this player. Um, and uh, I'm just going to pick tied for 18th place. This is Brian Brondewin. Okay. Yeah. You might be uh, you might be backing double rogues there. He's, I, a, he's a known rogues aficionado. I, and that is one of the reasons why I like him, I think. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that was not an accident. All All right. good, good teams, good yeah. teams. All right, I, I feel very wild on this, but I think my, I, I think I got something here. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling something. You're taking um, Ely Cassis. Smart, 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 mm-hmm. smart. You did so well last week. Good choice. Um, all right, so obviously with rivals, um, there's some things going on. Boy, this one's hard, but I really do think um, that just solidly in second place, I'm taking Matt Sperling. Very nice. All right. Well, after a good performance last time, sort of cemented himself again as at the top of the Rivals League. I mean, I think I'd be crazy here not to take one of the best players of all time in Louis Scott Vargas. Mm-hmm. In fourth place. Yes. Um, he was quite good. I And his he had a bit of a rivalry with Matt, and I was debating mm-hmm. whether I wanted to pick, which one I wanted to pick. Um but I'm I'm wondering if I Matt think they is maybe test with the same team, so so it it doesn't. I don't know. So maybe maybe Matt will this time think, oh, I should uh, I have I might have a little silver bullet for Luis that, might that I just good. won't tell my teammates about. Yeah. stuff this uh, in the sideboard. Uh, <laughs> I'll just do this. Um, let's see. I think Luis is the more likely one to have that going on. <laughs> that is very true, actually. He he does like doing those things. He likes shenanigans. Mm-hmm. 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 He does. So. I have too many shots. I'm fe- I, I, I got too many shots going on. Um, I'm going to go just solid fifth place. I'm going to do um, Austin Bursevich. I like him. All right. Well, then I'm going to also jump out of pod and just let our, our two pod guys battle in that, that top pod. And I'm actually going to go to someone that I know has recently won a tournament. Because they beat me to do it. <laughs> We're here on Team LSV. We're going in tied for 12. Luis Salvato. He hasn't been on my team in too long. And he's always played great for me. I so. knew I knew you he's would take... He's played great for me and against me. Yeah. So. I just knew you were going to take Luis Salvato if you just could. You just love Luis so much. I want to just draft all the players that I've personally lost to. You know, if Ely was around, I'd take him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I, I can. Uh, I lost to Carlos Romao on the last. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll, I'll take Matt Nass because that's the only person I've ever lost to. <laughs> Just, Damn, it, you're good. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> person you've ever lost to. <laughs> Makes me sound like uh, I beat everybody else. Um, so I'm gonna take um, with this one. I'll also take someone tied for 12th, but I'm taking Chris Patello. 
good choice. I like Chris mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> He's a good deck builder. And if you ever watch his stream, really down-to-earth guy. Yeah, I, I love everything he says on Twitter. He's just, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a, a worth a Twitter follow. Mm-hmm. All right, you know who I'm actually going to choose? This might be, it's hard because they have, like, the tide, so it's hard to say just where the clear pod cutoffs are. I think this is going to be in the same pod as my last choice, but this player has just been playing out of their minds lately, and I know they take it super seriously and just practice a ton. So in 11th place, mm. I'll be choosing Gregor Kowalski. Okay, yeah. That's a good pick. That's a really Who, good uh, pick. played really well last time, mm-hmm. losing only to the uh, unbeatable Arna Hushinbet. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so with my final rivals pick, I think... I'm just going to go with an oldie but a goodie, you know, someone who's just been around the block once or, once or twice. I'm going to pick Kai Buda. Once or twice, eh? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's also tied for 26th place, is Kai mm-hmm. Buda. And just casually, you know, tied for best player of all time in a lot of people's Well, minds. you know, there's also that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of going down a pod here. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's too tough to choose, though. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to go back up, back up into the top pod, get myself two top pod guys, two. Uh, That's right. I got, I got two, two top mid-pod. pod guys. Two mid pod folks. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm just going to do it. You know, I'm, I'm curious or I'm wondering because they let me down last time, but I'm going to give them the chance to redeem themselves. In third place, I'll be selecting Stanislav Sivka. It's so weird to have Sivka go so late. Just such a good player. Yeah. Uh, the last two events, which he was on my team for both of them, did not really perform uh, up to his usual high standards. But uh, again, just kind of like PV, I expect him to kind of roar back here because he's just too good not to. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, great. So those are our teams. Let's just quickly... Uh, actually, no, we'll do that at the end. <laughs> um, let's go into metagame percentage for standard. Um, this is, you know... <laughs> I don't feel that much different than I have in, in previous standards. Um, no? <laughs> I, I feel like I feel very, very similar. You've been playing a lot more standard than I have. Um, however, most of my feelings are, are kind of uh, close. I actually only really played standard this past weekend. Before that, I was all about historic, the new historic event. All right. Well, uh, what, what, are you, um, what are you thinking for standard then? Do you have something nailed down? Yeah, I mean, I actually kind of thought this event was just historic, so that's all I was thinking about before before we fired this up. Yeah. Um, but just playing in uh, the event this past weekend, um, did did okay, by the way, went five and three hey. with the sacrifice deck. I think, I think it's really close. There are a lot of top decks in standard. Uh, like, I wouldn't fault fault someone for choosing any number of decks for this what's going to be the most played. I think if I'm extrapolating to the pros and just what we've seen in the past from them, I'm going to choose Naya Adventures. Okay. But um, I'm not confident in it only because I think there are a lot of decks that uh, could take the number one spot. I know people are going to play this deck, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, and it's going to be significant, but is it going to be 
higher than some of the other options. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's always the gamble. Um, I, I was thinking... But sometimes there's like a clear number one, you know? Like when well, we started yeah. this, it was like, well, we both picked Gruel Adventures. It's the most played deck. Obviously. One by a, one by a landslide. Yeah. So what's next? Yeah. So this one, I mean, like... I'm just going to say... I, I mean, I already had it nailed down. I want to say Teamer Adventures. Uh, so I'll just okay. put that in, but... It's um, one of the options. Yeah. It, I think the other option is Sultimatum. I, I, I was going between those two, um, but between Naya and Teamer, I just I, I thought I'd just like throw that in the ring. and um, I could say Sultimatum, but I think I picked that last time, and it was kind of boring, so... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely boring. Like that deck is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but top-performing deck. Um, so I may have alluded to this a little bit, uh, when we were uh, talking before, but I'm just going to go ahead and just jam in Demir Rogues. Um, yeah, good choice. Uh, I Demir just, Rogues is one of those decks that performs really well at the top level yeah. because... Uh, I, I, you know, you won't always see it in the metagame breakdowns by MTG Data on Twitter, uh, but it, a lot of it can be like, oh, these are some players that are like good, but they're not like amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, in a pro's hands, man, that deck is fantastic. And Brian Brondewin has been playing that deck a lot. A lot, a That's lot. true. That's so true. hopefully he uh, you know skyrockets and really gets that percentage up. That'd be great for me. I would love that. Yeah, I really want to bet on a sacrifice deck, but I just can't. So, what deck is going to perform the best? It's probably Mono Green Stompy. I, if if I knew people were bringing that, I, I wouldn't hate the answer. Yeah, you know, but... <laughs> I just don't think anyone's <laughs> going to really bring it. There might be a couple. Again, of... I, maybe I Ken Rogues. Rogues is a pretty good choice. I mean, Mono Red. Martin Yuza isn't going to bring that ever again. Actually, after that disaster, I don't think anyone's going to bring that. Besides, like, Lishi Tian might bring it again, which I was... Yeah, that deck did very poorly. Which Well, Lishi Tian was, like, phenomenal with it, and I was wondering whether he was going to play again because it would really bolster the uh, the numbers if, if he does well, but I, I don't know if he's going to bring it again. I, I think that he that was kind of like a one-hit wonder for that. Um, yeah. You know, I am going to take a shot here. Am I going to take a shot? Rakdos? I'm not going to take that shot because I've learned my lesson. <laughs> have you, though? I don't know if you And have. this is the time that Rakdos is actually You, pe- going you to picked dominate. Luis Silvano. He's going to play Rakdos. <laughs> yeah, I'll just count that as a win personally, even if I did pick it on paper. Mm-hmm. No, I was debating picking Cycling. I thought you hated that deck in Standard. I do hate that deck, <laughs> but I think a few people are going to bring it, and I think whenever people forget to hate on Cycling, it comes back and just and just wins a lot. But I think I'm just going to go with. I think I'm just going to go with Sultai. Okay. All right. Take I was the, the, oh, man. I was I was kind of excited for that. Uh, your, your Cycling bet that that seemed pretty fun. But I wanted on record that I thought about taking cycling. So if cycling ends up the, uh, the, the winningest deck, it's fine. I, I want I want a moral. If that's victory. what happens, I'm going to make sure I cut that out of the episode. Actually, no, just kidding. <laughs> the episode's going to come out before we know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back. I'll, I'll, I'll retract. Uh, I'll retract that later. Yeah. Um, so far, uh, historic as far as like um, uh, meta percentage. Um, what what deck do we think people are going to bring the most of? To, to this historic. So this is the one I've thought a bit more about. Um, so given the timing on when they had to submit these decks and, you know, all, all a lot of weird stuff going on with historic, for this, I'm actually going to choose uh, Gruul. Interesting. I think that a lot of players that are in the MPL and Rivals favor this kind of deck. 
and it's explosive. No, that does make a lot of sense. The more I look at some of the other decks. Um, this one was super hard for me because I just really didn't know what people were going to be looking for. Some of the, like, the Soul Tomatum decks in Historic were freaking crazy, and they're going to be like... Just some of this, these spells or like take all the turns things. Um, oh man, historic is a wild, place. wild west. Um, right? like, I think Is It Phoenix is a real deck uh, that people will be thinking about. I just don't know if the pros are going to bring it. Um, it's really hard for me to not say auras because I love auras. Um, and I definitely think people are going to play it. I just don't think enough people are going to play it. Um it's a really good, good deck, deck right though. now. It's a good deck. Uh, but I think from all of these aspects, um, I like I like the Gruel pick. Um, that is interesting. I was thinking more of a different deck. I was thinking Celestia Company, actually. I'm going to lock it Do you want to lock that um, in? I think that... <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um it seems like kind of the deck that... Uh... It's a good deck, and it's a deck that is uh, similar to Rogues in the sense that it's a deck that is much better... Piloted by... In the hands of a good pl- of, of a better Agreed. player. Like, because the cards themselves are underpowered relative to the format, it really takes an understanding of applying pressure and disruption at the same time and, and when to sequence... and Or, sorry, how to sequence and when to when to hold spells and when to cast them stuff like like kazandu mammoth not really up to snuff for historic but when you're good enough to make it up to snuff you know you know when to play your Paulo and when to play your kazandu mammoth then the deck gets a lot better Um, i like them having the use of Paulo is great uh there's some good hate bears that really hurt on uh some of these other decks having your rest in peace in the sideboard can be real help really helpful against some of these matchups um I think it's going to be good. So with that, uh, I think I'm doubling down on this fucking deck. I'm, I'm, oh, I really damn. Am. I was thinking about doubling down on Naya actually. Um, so that's what I was like. Am I going to pull a double? I'm down? doubling down on uh, Celestia Company. Uh, let's let's do it. Um, let's go. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm going to choose something that is going to make me sad to the very core. <laughs> oh, but what I, is it? <laughs> But I think it's the reality we live in. The top performing deck for me, Demir Pact Combo. Oh, buddy. Even without Search for Ascanta. You know, I thought this deck was garbage. And then I lost to it twice in a satellite. Like, I went 4-2, and two, losing only to two games to Demir Pact and beating all non-Demir Pact decks. And then and I played in that longer historic event played against Demir Pact. I managed to win, but I got insanely lucky. Mm-hmm. And so I started to think, maybe this deck just doesn't suck. And then I started seeing it perform really well. And I've played against it a bunch of times since. And so I've gone from thinking the deck is unplayable garbage to thinking it's broken. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love when that happens. Yeah. That's funny because Celestia Company, the reason I am higher on it is that um, it's to me. I think it's a hard matchup against uh, Auras. I had a really rough time getting through that freaking all their crap anytime they're like hey you can only play one spell a turn i'm like awesome that's not what i want to do at all (laughs) this is the worst so yeah celestia company is a perfect like example of a meta Mm -hmm. deck where in some meta games it would be horrible Mm -hmm. like it 
Celestia Company was what I always hoped to play against when I was Jeskai Control, because that was a f- basically a free win, because you just Lightning Helix their stuff that matters, Thalia, yeah. Redain, Palo, and you then you wipe the board with one of your many rats, and you know just make sure you have a memory lapse or whatever for their collected mm-hmm. company, and you just win the game. But most other decks had a lot of trouble yeah. with them, you know. So it was like a very uh, it's going to have matchups that are very positive and matchups that are very negative. And that's why I think it's it's important when a pro plays it, they can dampen those negative matchups a bit with their play yep. skill. And so... Uh, It'll be interesting. I mean, yeah. you know, all my eggs are... I'm taking shots this week. I'm, I'm going no prisoners. Uh, I want to close this thing out fast. Win this one, win the next one, and then get you to give me my beer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Tainted Pact is going to get banned. <laughs> after this tournament after this i don't know about after but, this tournament but at some point i think it will no longer be acceptable to play this in historic do you think they will do tainted pact before thassa's oracle i would do tainted pact before i did thassa's oracle because thassa's oracle is a powerful card for sure like i've i think we even had a you know months ago talked on the on the air about it's it's blows my mind that there's no thassa's oracle deck in mm-hmm. historic yeah, I've always wondered that. Like, come on, Thassa's Oracle is such a good alternate win condition that, and Historic has so many cards, there must be a Thassa's Oracle deck. And this was just, you know, the best one, yeah. I guess. But uh, it's the enabler that's really the problem here because it's instant speed. It's like playing against Splinter Twin if the total combo costs four mana instead of seven. You know, it's like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course, they have to pay the consistency price of, of singletons yep. to make that happen. Yeah, and the rope. Yeah, that's the other issue, which I think will help get it banned, is that it's not particularly arena-friendly yeah. anyways, and historic's an arena format. Exactly. Um, that makes sense. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but let's run these uh, these uh, decks, these decks, pff, these teams back. <laughs> you know, obviously it's towards the end of the show. Um, hey, everyone at home, you'd be surprised how hard it is to talk after two beers. Uh, just yeah. you think you're fine. Uh, you were. It's harder than you think. I don't know. I taught calculus and I was always yeah. drunk. That's, that's good. All right. So we have that on <laughs> tape. All right. <laughs> now fire Jeff and make him do the podcast full time. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jeff, do you would would you like to read uh, your your team out for everyone? I would love to. So my MPL members consist of Paulo Vitor, Damodarosa, Andrea Mangucci, and Ken Yukihiro. My Rivals League members consist of Luis Scott Vargas, Luis Salvado, Grigor Kowalski, and Stanislav Sivka. My top played deck in standard prediction is Nye Adventures. My top performing prediction in standard is Sultai Ultimatum. My top played deck in historic prediction is Gruel Agro. And my top performing deck prediction in historic is Demir Pact. Very nice, very nice. Uh, so my MPL players are Gabriel Nassif, Shahar Shenhar, and Brian Bronduin, BBD himself. Uh, my rivals players are Matt Sperling, Austin Bursevich, Chris Patello, and Kai Buda. Uh, the top perform, or sorry, the um, meta percentage, so the, the top brought deck is uh, Teamer Adventures for Standard. The top performing deck, I believe, will be Demir Rogues for Standard. And then for Historic, the um, meta percentage or, or most brought deck will be Celestia Company. And once again, the top performing deck will also be Celestia Company. Oh, but Jeff, do you, 
Do you hear that? I don't hear anything. What? <laughs> How long can I make this joke and just keep going? <laughs> uh, before I get a soundboard and can actually make a bell. Anyway, it's last call. There should be a bell ringing right now. <laughs> I feel like we've been threatening that for too long. We need to just get that soundboard. We just If we get a Patreon, hey, we need money for a soundboard. <laughs> Also to understand how it works. Yes. <laughs> oh, and a book to teach us how to make soundboards. Yeah, yeah. we need soundboards for dummies. And that, that's not cheap, folks. No. So if, you can... that's, if, you, if you could make a Patreon for us and then, <laughs> and then put money into it. Uh... Or ship us Patreons for dummies. Yeah. To start out. Because <laughs> we don't know how that works either. Uh, anyway, let's get a beer. Last call. You ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. The grand reveal. Here we are. Three, two, one. Hey, you came to the dark side, buddy. Yeah. Ooh, you, you getting that mojito IPA? Hey, I said I like. I said I liked mint when it's a hint. Yes. You know. Yeah, when you were saying that's that. That's why it rhymes. A hint of mint. Yeah, I didn't want to um, spoil anything, but when you were saying how much you're you're really not into mint, I was thinking, oh boy, this this is not mint heavy at all. It right. is really subtle. And, and again, I love mint a little bit to accentuate other things mm -hmm. i don't like you know like i don't think i would ever have a mint pesto when i just blend a bunch of mint with some oil you know oh, that's buddy. that sounds gross oh, but <laughs> that sounds great um, um the other other herb i feel that way about is sage by the way that people to use mm. too much sage it tastes kind of medicinal to me when you have so much of it I know that at one point I was allergic to sagebrush, so I was always kind of like, uh, can I have too much sage? I don't really know. Um, like, have you ever just chomped into a sage leaf? It's, it's well, they're it tastes weird. like medicine. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, herbs. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, sweet. I'm so happy that you picked this beer. That's great. Um, yeah. Before we get into all this, uh, well, first, uh, actually... Uh, we should go over the uh, rating system. So as always, uh, Arena has its tier list, which is list, whatever. And it's not a tier list. It's a tier, tier, whatever. Tier, we have, there are tiers in Arena. You know what I'm it's talking a, about. It's a ladder. I don't know. There we go. Tier ladder. <laughs> There's ladders of the tiers, whatever. Okay, so it's bronze to mythic, um, which you can be at. And so we rate beers from bronze to mythic. Uh, as always, this has nothing to do with any player who is actually at these tiers in the game. This is just a way to rank beers that's fun. So, uh, Jeff, what is bronze? Uh, bronze is basically trash beer that we would never drink. As Absolutely. Far as I understand. Yes. I mean, What's silver? Silver is kind of, I have this pegged as my macro brew tier. You mm -hmm. know, the stuff that is fine but not exciting. You wouldn't tell your friends about it. I'm not going to go, hey, I tried this awesome new beer. It's called Budweiser. You ever had it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so gold? Gold is the beers that are pretty good. It's not your favorite. Uh, you might not have it again, but you, you acknowledge that it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Platinum? These are the beers that you will drink again. And so like if you, th if you drink this, you're like, that's good. I would have this again. But I'm not you know, going to go post on Twitter about how good it is. That's platinum. Diamond? Diamond is, now we're talking about recommending. So this beer, this is an exceptional beer. You would recommend it to your friends. And Mythic. This beer is so good, you will recommend it to anyone who will listen. So you will be stopping someone at a beer store if you overhear them say, I don't know what to get. You say, get this. It's that good. Yeah. And even the people that don't even want to hear you talk to them about it. Um, I do yeah, this yeah. with it many things. It doesn't matter. The beer is so good that mm -hmm. they're going to hear about it. Yeah. And then they might not pick it because you were so strange and creepy and scary. 
Um, <laughs> so with that, um, our random, not really tap takeover, but it happened to be Sawdust uh, City Brewing Company. Man, where are these people again? Gravenhurst, Ontario. Um, I just want to first off say that I I've think... actually been there. Yeah? You've been not there? Not to Sawdust City Brewing, but to Gravenhurst. Okay. <laughs> Um, I just want to say that uh, we've we've had a couple of beers from them, and it just seems like, for whatever reason, I was thinking like, eh, okay, they seem all right, just like looking at their stuff and thinking about them. But every beer we've had has been pretty great. I've been like really enjoying a lot of their stuff. They're um, like my go-to example of the brewery that whenever I see it in the store, I'm like, oh, it's Sada City. They're decent. And then every time I try their beer, I'm like, this is good. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> like, what I was thinking too, <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. They're just, they're one of the breweries, you know, there's some, a lot better ones, but every, I don't think I've ever had a beer that they made that I was like, Ugh, okay, well, but I'm like surprised every time for some reason. Yeah. But I don't know if it's their market. I'm always like, maybe oh, Sada city. I guess I'll give it a, give them another chance. I'm like, oh, this is better than I expected. Yeah. And that happens with every beer, but I still have this. Yeah, so, like not negative, but kind of just like, meh. yeah, maybe it's because their stuff's around. Whatever it is, um, if you haven't had Sada City and if you're ever in the Toronto area, uh, you can pick up probably any beer that they make and, and feel pretty confident that it's going to be uh, solid. De- definitely drinkable and tasty, um, which is exactly what I think this this Mojito IPA is. Um, yeah, it has a nice like lime tart uh, is, is the front and really what I feel. Um just a little bit of mint, but not too much. Just fresh, um, mm-hmm. high in alcohol. It's got some great stuff. I yeah, I don't even know if I would tell you on a blind taste test that it's mint, but fresh is the right word because the mm-hmm. mint gives it that just like yeah. You just get some. It's some sort of freshness, mm-hmm. kind of like when you add just a little bit of herbs to food, right? Yeah. It's like just like it's just to freshen it up mostly. Exactly. And it, you often doesn't matter which herbs you're even adding. It's mm-hmm. just to, Something to get some of that to in there. Brighten it up. It's yeah, really nice. There, it reminds me a little bit of um, Mill Street made a uh, key lime pie IPA uh, that I liked a lot last summer. I drank a ton of it. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't the same as that um, because obviously we're not looking for the pie notes, but it does kind of have a little bit of that like crusty key lime pie, like the uh, cinnamony graham crackery. There's like a brown sugar. A little bit. Mm-hmm. It's almost I like do they get ma- the lime in this for sure. Like yeah, because it's the... it's almost they use like lime and then like a brown sugar was like the the sugar they used for the mojito kind of. Um, the more I talk about this, the more I like it, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, I mean Originally, lime and beers is a good combo too. I yeah, mean, I mean exactly. it feels like lime and pretty much anything is a good combo. Lime but... is the best. I love yeah. lime. I love lime. <laughs> <laughs> Um, originally I was, this has become a uh, citrus review podcast, by the way. So (laughs) of all the citruses, I think lime is the best and then orange, then lemon and grapefruit. Uh, Oh, you're doing lemon. uh, I know. I know. I know you like lemons. (laughs) Anyway, um, this has nothing to do with that. Oh, fucking whatever, bud. Okay. So, uh, as I talk about this, what do you, what do you think about this beer? I was going to say, I'm going to let you say first, because I always say first. Um, I think this beer has slowly, through the course of this episode, crept its way into Diamond. I'm, I yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. When I literally picked it up in this last bit, the last like two minutes, I was going to be like, this is solid platinum. But the more I talked about it, the more I was like, you know what? This is a Diamond beer. I was ready to give it platinum, and then mm-hmm. I opened this one and poured it and took a yeah. few sips. And every sip was like, eh, 
It's getting closer. It's getting closer. <laughs> I really like this. Um, yeah, let's give it diamond. I'm feeling... Yeah, so I think we should just give it diamond. Let's give it diamond. That's solid. Um, so the Narnia IPA uh, that you had brought, also really tasty, you know? Um, yeah, speaking of platinum, I mean... Uh... Yeah, exactly. I think that was a really solid platinum beer. Um, I would, you know, I would drink that again. If I see it at the store, I'd be like, yeah, these are great. I'll, I'll grab them. Um, no, you're going to be like, ooh, Sada City? Uh. <laughs> ooh, I don't know. <laughs> then I'll pick up a different Sada City and be like, whoa, this is surprising. Is Sada City makes good beer? Um, <laughs> yeah, Narnia is weird because it's called a little IPA, and it totally hit that, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like a... It has notes of IPA, but just less in your face than you're used to. Yeah. Um, so it really is a little IPA. But for me, that left me a bit wanting of like, oh, I mean, there's a reason that IPAs tend to be bigger. That's the style. And that's what I want out of an IPA. You yeah. Know? So um, I think they did a good job of making a more accessible IPA. I mean, it's only five and a half percent. It does have those... Uh, flavors you traditionally associate with an ipa um but it's definitely pulled back and mm-hmm. more mellow for sure and you might be thinking oh lower percentage ipa that's just a pale ale right it's like i thought so too when i read the description but this kind of it does have some characteristics of really classic does. ipas that like yeah it's like really uh you know cloudy and um kind of has that body like this really big ipa body Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I think I mean, it's well made for what they were going for. Absolutely, right? it's just not necessarily what I'm looking for. So. I actually liked it quite a bit more than you probably. Um, I was really enjoying that one. It just felt like it just felt really rock solid. You know, like yeah. Every I didn't have to ever think about the beer I was drinking. It. I was like, oof, this is good. I like it. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to think too much about it in the future. But if I ever see it again, I'll be like, oh, Narnia, that's a good one. Yeah, um, like I'm still giving it platinum, right? Absolutely. So it's still good. Yeah. Um, um, and and I would recommend it to somebody who uh, isn't an IPA lover, mm-hmm. but maybe wants to experience the flavors or a very what, specific what other people like about IPAs. Individual. You know, like I'd be like, hey, try this one. It's probably more your speed and might even be like a gateway to IPAs. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, through this whole experience, I feel like we should just take a, a road trip and go up to road trip. <laughs> uh, just take a day trip to go up to Sada City because, um, uh, you know, it sounds like I need to go there sometime. <laughs> Whenever I'm fully vaccinated, that'd be sweet. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a road trip. We have to hit the road to get there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a few hours. Uh, but uh, anyway, with that, I think it is uh, closing time. Jeff, what do you think? I think so. I guess yeah. you don't really have a choice. It kind of it just is closing time. <laughs> it just is. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk to us closing about closing time. Oh God! I thought we were past this, Jeff. <laughs> you thought you thought wrong. Uh, so if you want to talk to us about a new song that we can sing at the end of the show, uh, you can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, we will ignore any suggestions for new new songs to sing, but uh, all other comments will be appreciated. You can also look for us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. We'll probably be milling you out with rogues, but uh, might have a few new decks that you could see us. Yeah, playing, so. we, there's a couple new ones that you might see. Um, 
You can always reach me personally. Uh, I'm Zach, by the way, if you forgot. Uh, <laughs> at Zulberg, uh, Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me also on Twitter at BluesBrewsMTG. And we would love it if you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on uh, Spotify and Stitcher. Or go to Anchor. Uh, leave a comment on YouTube or subscribe to us. It's just, you know, any way to say hey, because we really appreciate that. We would love any feedback that you have. Really do love it. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Lorehold is not Boros. Good night. All right, that's fine.